But each person's got to have that individualized plan for what they're going to do and surrounding yourself with quality people, quality advisors, not just on the financial side, but on the legal side and uh, on the bank side and people that are going to bring ideas and opportunities to you that they can explain and they understand. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show. Thank you for tuning in. Today, our guest is Michael Ekman, the president of Adaptive Wealth Partners. And today, we're talking about finance for professional athletes and high-paid professionals. And we get a little bit deeper into it and talk about things that they get wrong, how things go wrong, why things go wrong, and the investor psychology that can lead them to be successful how they can turn it around, how they can get ready for the tough times that are definitely going to come for everybody that's investing in anything. Tough times are going to come. You better get ready for it. And the time to get ready for it is before they happen. We talk about Michael's strategy for preparing his clients for those downtimes in the market, downtimes when investments start to look worse. How can you get ready for that and, and take advantage of those situations? That going back to that saying of be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. How can you prepare yourself for those situations? Thank you for tuning in. If you do enjoy the show, take a quick second, go to your favorite podcast app, look up the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, give us a subscribe. That way you'll get every new episode straight to your mobile device every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor, a real estate syndicator. I buy real estate with passive investors and split the return. And I would really, really appreciate it if you do enjoy the show. Take a quick second, go to the Apple Podcast app, leave us a rating and review, five stars if you don't mind. I appreciate it so much because that helps us grow in their rankings. That helps other people learn about the show. It helps us, you know, in the Apple algorithm. And it helps me feel good because I get to see all the nice things that you guys have to say. So it gives me a warm feeling in my heart. I appreciate it so much. Without any further ado, here we go with Michael Ekman from Adaptive Wealth Partners. Michael, thank you for joining us today. Hey, no problem, Taylor. Hey, it's great to talk. I mean, we've been talking for like a half an hour already. So, you know, we, like you said previously, we have a lot in common and with our thought processes and how we think about money. Uh, for our listeners out there, could you tell us a bit, you know, about your background and what you do? And we're going to dive right into what we're talking about today. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a, a wealth manager and president of Adaptive Wealth Partners. It's a full service financial advising and, and financial planning firm based out of Las Vegas, Nevada. We help clients in kind of all stages of their investment journey, help make them better decisions in the short term, because we know that that's going to help them lead to better long-term results for their goals. Awesome. Absolutely. And you know, we I know we have a couple of folks, actually, the professional athletes that listen to this show, and we've talked a bit about it before in the past. And there's so much around this. You know, there are so many examples of athletes who have earned just a ton of money and have nothing left a few years later. Dennis Rodman's one of the big examples. And there are really so many others. Mike Tyson's one who was really uh, taken advantage of and also burned a lot of his money. And really a few things I wanted to talk about today is, you know, things they get, they get wrong and things, ways in which the system is really kind of structured or historically uh, not to not to help them out, and then lessons that the rest of us can learn in our own wealth building strategies and and what we do to build our passive wealth streams. So let's dive into you know things that the professional athletes tend to get wrong and how it's it's not really set up to their advantage in terms of uh, building wealth. 
Yeah. So, I mean, great subjects. The One of the main things that we've got to remember is just like all of us, athletes, even though they're making good money or they're making more money than the average American, they're facing some of those same challenges, those having a lifestyle that we want, but are we being able to afford the lifestyle today, but sacrificing tomorrow? Are we putting enough money away in savings? Are we putting any money away in savings? Do we know what, know what a savings account is for? Do we know how to invest our money? We see more and more that a lot of the professional sports leagues are putting together investment uh, workshops for new athletes and veteran athletes to both prepare them for life on the field and also to prepare them for life off the field. And part of my concern with athletes is that you're an athlete. Your job is to go out there and perform at the highest level. There's not much emphasis put on building a foundation of knowing how to write a check, knowing where your money's going, understanding cash flow. During the season, the money's there, but once the season's over, that money isn't coming in anymore. So we've really got to be very foundational with how we start building the knowledge for athletes so that just like every American out there, we don't learn enough about investing, about savings, whether it's stock bonds and mutual funds in an investment account, whether it's real estate, whether it's looking at business opportunities where we can create income or growth for later in life, and then also taking a look at how we're spending money today, right? I mean, if we're trying to live a lifestyle that's not sustainable after the three, four years that you're in a professional sports league, it's really hard to turn that lifestyle off when you go to leave the league. You know, it's like you or I taking an 80 or 90% pay cut. It take a while to get used to that. And it's not something that you or I are going to be very good at when that switch happens, especially because athletes oftentimes face getting cut after the season's over and they don't expect it, or they see an injury, or it's just not worth it for them to continue moving around the country with their family. So there are definitely some challenges that are unique to athletes in terms of they have additional income and resources available to them, and they have a name and a brand out there that they can take advantage of. But at the same time, they're facing a lot of what you and I and other Americans would struggle with early on in our lives, which is, hey, how do we put money away? How do we balance the life that we want tomorrow with the life that we want to live today? And how do we really start planning out and be a part of that plan to have success in the future? Nice. Now, one of the things that I, I love to think about in my own business, my own investments is having the right people around me that, you know, how can I find those right people to have in my business as friends, as business partners, or people that I just uh, talk to and associate with? And I think one of the things that professional athletes probably see a lot that, and I know, that uh, we have doctors that listen. Doctors see this a lot. General high-paid professionals, I think tech employees see as well. Once you start making good money, people come out of the woodwork with investment opportunities to, hey, you know, I'm going to get you into this thing. It's going to make you a lot of money. And it turns out, you know, a lot of those are probably scams or ripoffs or just were never really the right opportunity. How do you think about or how how should you know these high-paid professionals, if we want to broaden it a little bit from professional athletes specifically, how can you think about having the right people around you that aren't going to just financially take advantage of you and then 
you know, jet once the the money's gone, right? Like, I mean, how can they start to figure that out? Yeah. So for for me, my practice is very simple. Like I open my playbook, I tell you what we're going to do, how we're going to do it, what we're going to look at, what the downside is to what we do, because there's always going to be that risk and reward balance that we have to play out. And a lot of times people are just looking at it and saying, hey, what's the reward? This guy, we're, we're humans. We want to be able to trust others. Like, so it's not a bad thing to trust others, but you have to do your homework and you have to know what questions to ask. The problem is, is that there's not a book on, hey, ask these questions so that you know what to ask when you're in this situation. It's like the parenting book that was never written that our parents always said, we got the answer from the parenting book. <laughs> like I, I'm honest with my kids, like it's, we're just trying, we, this isn't working. Let's try something new. And uh, unfortunately that's what happens in investments, whether it's in biz- investing in business and real estate, you know, anytime that red flag goes up and you have a feeling that it's too good to be true, there's probably a reason for that. I mean, the, the newest thing I think I get hit up on every week is, you know, some Forex trader on Instagram wants to show me how to double my money in a month. And I'm like, so, okay, what's the difference between trading and investing? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, you're, you're a trader. You just told me you do Forex trading. What's the difference between investing and trading? They don't have the answer to it, right? So if you start working with, with individuals that can help coach you not only to be better financially than where you're at today, but they also empower you to help teach you what questions to ask from others. Those are generally quality people in your life. And there's a ton of great financial advisors out there. And just like the bad mechanic or the bad car salesman guy, right? There's tons of good people that do that as well, but it gets a bad rap. You know, when we're looking at things like investing and doctors, I think have a harder time, honestly, than athletes. Athletes understand the business side of it. Doctors spend even more time crafting their, you know, work and the things that they're doing. And they want to focus on being a doctor. Like you have to have passion to go to that much school to do that type of work. And there's plenty of ways to make money in this world that are on par with what doctors make, especially when you look at their expenses on the back end. So you have to really be foundational on what you're going to do and know what the plan is for the investments, what you're looking for it to do. And then you have to go out there and work with professionals to find the right opportunities for your situation. And the right opportunity for you doesn't necessarily mean it's the right opportunity for me. So you've got to know that just because your friends talking about this investment opportunity that they took advantage of doesn't necessarily mean it's going to do well. People have a tendency to talk about the good things that happen to them to others, and they downplay the bad things. <laughs> so I've got a client that is a musician down here in Las Vegas, and he comes to me all the time and, and says, hey, my sound guy says I should, have bought, should buy this investment because it's doing really well for him. And I say, that's okay. Next time you want to put a surround sound system in your house, make sure you call me. Like, I'll give you the best <laughs> advice that I have on it. You know, I'll tell you what works in my house, what's worked for me. And, and it, it might work for you, but it also might not. And when we talk to them, we talk about looking at investments as a clock, right? So most people know that on a clock at 12 is the top of the clock. That's when you want to be selling your investments. You want to sell high. And at six o'clock in the morning, you want to be selling or buying the investments, buy at the bottom, right? So in the perfect world, that's what we would happen. When we look at the research, 
over 80% of investors are actually buying between 10 o'clock and noon because they've gotten off the fear train and everyone's buying because their friends are doing it. They're comfortable with it. And then they go sell like in 2007, 2008, when everyone saw, said, oh, I'm out of my way, I'm all the ca- cashing out. The market was already down. You don't, you're trying to sell when the market's down. So they do the same thing. They try to sell between four o'clock and six o'clock, right? So it just skews. Instead of being up here, everyone's doing the opposite. So then they wonder why they're not investments aren't working as well as their friends were and things like that. So it's a lot of comparing and contrasting. But investing, no matter what type of investment you're looking at, it's a mental game as much as it is a financial game. It's, you know, what are we in this for? What risk are we willing to take on? And what reward are we looking for? And sometimes when we have anyone that's looking at a more aggressive investment or more aggressive business, we'll talk about the exit strategy because you can't always time going into a market, right? You can't time, you know, what's, what's going to happen tomorrow, but you can time what you do on the back end when you exit that business or that investment. You know, whether that's selling real estate right now or holding on to it and waiting two or three years, and we might see it go up and down in that time, and who knows? But each person's got to have that individualized plan for what they're going to do and surrounding yourself with quality people, with quality advisors, not just on the financial side, but on the legal side and uh, on the bank side and people that are going to bring ideas and opportunities to you that they can explain and they understand. And we have this rule in our office that we don't invest in anything that we don't understand because we're not going to be very good at it. If someone else wants is good at a specific sector or better than us at, at a specific type of investment, we'll bring that person on and have them help our client out to, to give them the best results possible. So I think that that's important to, to remember whether you're an athlete, you're a, a doctor, an attorney, you know, an entrepreneur that's making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, or you're just trying to get by just out of college and you're making, you know, $30,000, $40,000 a year. It's all about finding that balance and finding that investment that works for you. And, and you got to be able to understand the playbook that they're talking about, right? I mean, they, you and I and probably everyone in this country that makes a, a decent amount of money has gotten approached by someone about an investment opportunity. Totally. And if they don't talk about the downside as much as they talk about the upside, it's it's probably not a quality fit for you because they don't understand it enough. Absolutely. Yeah, this understanding what you're investing in, I think, is underrated, right? And I, I go back to thinking a recent uh, experience on my own. It was actually last night, my girlfriend and I are eating dinner and we decided, oh, we're going to put something on. And I chose, uh, perhaps ill-advisedly, to watch Kitchen Nightmares while we're eating dinner, which is not not a good idea. But anyway, <laughs> uh, you know, there are so many examples on there of folks who, say, cashed out their 401k to buy a restaurant, which are terrible investments either way. But these aren't folks who have a restauranting type of background, right? And they risk their entire financial future on an investment strategy that they don't understand. And then they think they're just going to cash a check until they're, you know, they can sell the restaurant or whatever. And, and they end up on this show, which has a very high failure rate, uh, even after Gordon leaves, which is that's just on my mind because that was last night. But I want to go back to this, uh, this clock analogy that really kind of gets to it's along the lines of uh, the Warren Buffett saying you want to be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. That's very easy to say, and it's much, much harder to do. 
you know, it's it's very easy to get caught up in that. And that's what makes him one of the all-time greats is he's actually very good at, at doing that. And the rest of us are very bad at doing that. And how can you take that that mentality and turn that into a strategy so that, okay, we're making the plan right now so that when the market, no matter what market it is, whenever it dips, I'm not going to be the guy panic selling. I'm going to be the guy that I planned for this and I'm ready to be the guy buying and getting the deals. How can you make a plan to do that uh, and and be ready to do that ahead of time? Yeah. Well, the first thing to remember is that feeling's never going to go away. I mean, I've been doing this for years and I still hate it when the market has a 10% pullback. <laughs> you know, I go home and my wife's like, I can tell the market's been rough. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. She's like, okay, here's a check. <laughs> go put it in the investment account. Right. So it's like our checks and balances at home. Like she's my little financial advisor on the side helping me out. But that feeling never goes away. I mean, anytime you're dealing with money and you care about your money, right? It's not just the dollar amount that's in your account. Oftentimes when the market has a pullback or your investments go down in value, it you you fall back to this, well, I could have bought this with that, or I could have done this if I had done that. So that's something to remember is that feeling is always going to be there, right? You're still going to feel that that dread when you have, have your statement go down in value. Um, the thing that we do a really good job of here is we set up what we call our extra spare tire fund. So that's a dollar amount that's earmarked to take advantage of downturns. And each client's got their own dollar amount that, that's appropriate for them. What we've done over the years is we really do research on downturns, right? Financial advising, when the market's up, it's easy. <laughs> I mean, right. like if, if you bought a house in 2010, you probably aren't haven't been worrying about whether it's going to go down in value. You're just it's it's good. You you could have bought any house in the country, and aside from Flint, Michigan, you probably would be okay, right? You're so pretty good. when we we when we look at it, we got to know that as a financial advisor, I earn my paycheck when the market pullback. When your stomach is wrenching and you're like, man, you know. Yahoo Finance just popped up on my screen and said that the market's crashing. Take a second and read the article. Market was probably down half a percentage point or one percentage point for the day. It's probably not as bad as you think. But over the last 70 years, the research has shown that we've had 38 downturns of 10% or more. Okay. And when we talk with clients, we ask this question: well, how often have we seen a 40% downturn in the last 70 years? And clients oftentimes give me numbers in the 20s or you know, in the teens. It's only happened three times. Hmm. We've just had two of them in the last 20 years. <laughs> right. So 2000, 2001, 2007, 2008, those were big ones that we all remember. They were in recent history. You have to go back all the way to 77 to see the other 40% downturn. So you've really got to understand these downturns. And we use that extra spare tire fund coupled with what we call our 10% down, 10% in. So we throw emotions out the window. At 10% down, we take 10% of that extra spare tire fund and we put it into the investment plan, whether that's business, real estate, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, 401ks. We, we have this plan for how we're going to invest when the market's down. When you don't want to be invested, that's when we go in and invest. And it's really interesting because if you do simple math, you can go down 10, 20, 30, and 40%. And at 40%, we've done invested 100% of that extra spare tire fund. 
So at 40%, we're putting 40% in. So 40 plus 30 plus 20 plus 10 gives you 100% of that, that bucket of money. So we know that based on the research, you have to have a plan for how you invest when the market's down. It's going to make you go from being an average investor that stayed invested to a great investor that took advantage of opportunity. And a lot of times that takes two or three market cycles of going through these little dips to really see that benefit and trust in what we're doing. And you have to be open to it. And that's why we use keywords for our clients like extra spare tire funds so that our clients, when we have that conversation, they're like, oh yeah, we talked about that before. You have to understand the game psychologically of how investors manage their money and manage their, their mental state in order to be a quality advisor for what they're looking for in life. Nice. Yeah. I mean, it's all, it all comes back to the psychology, the thoughts in your head and and what happens when, when things look dark in, in reality and historically it's, it's the right time to, again, start being greedy uh, when others are fearful. So I love that strategy. I like that you use a, a keyword for it or a key phrase that you call it so that people are ready and they know, okay, we did talk about this. So that's, that's great. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Michael, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? Yes, absolutely. Let's great. go. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Technically, it's still education. Uh, a couple of years ago, I went out and hired a performance coach. And not only do we deal with business strategies, but we deal with mental strategies on my own, right? Keeping myself mentally sharp, knowing when I need to take some time off from the day-to-day work, knowing when I need to accept the wins, right? And I, I'm generally, my wife will laugh because she's like, you're the most negative person that I've met. I'm like, I can't be the most negative person. There's got to be someone worse than me. But I did. I grew up that way. I grew up being negative about things and seeing the glass, not just half full, but pretty much empty. So it, it took a lot of work with him and with me and patience for my wife for me to become more positive and accept the little micro wins that we have and find that each day now I, I sit down midway through the day and I look back and I say, what's three things that I've done well in the last 24 hours, All right? And there was a time where I was homeless living in, in my car for six months before I kind of figured out what I wanted to do in life and turn my life around. And I remember back to that, that first day and that first day it was getting up and shaving. Like I hadn't shaved in six months. I looked, I was embracing the homeless look. So for me, it's always about what did I do well, even if it's just getting an inch closer to the goal. So working with that performance coach was really something that changed the way that I think about life, the way that I think about business and investments, and help me be a better person to the people that are important to me, our clients, my friends, my family, and, and those that I come in contact with in the public. Nice. Well, I'll let you slide on that. It's probably technically education, but it's uh it's it's non-traditional, something that, you know, if you told somebody, if you if you told like a high school teacher, I'm gonna hire this performance coach, they'd probably say, oh, I hate, I don't want to crap on high school teachers. My girlfriend's a teacher, but somebody, somebody <laughs> in the standard system, they would say, what are you wasting your money on that for? But in reality, that's uh, that can be a fantastic investment when you do it right. We yeah, have the absolutely. best investment. Now we go to the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? Worst investment for me was probably cars. So I was 
21, 22 years old, making really good money. I had three or four cars that I bought and probably shouldn't, not probably, I definitely shouldn't have. Like I, I was definitely living for today and not tomorrow. Like I wasn't putting any money away in savings. I didn't grow up knowing how to do that. I didn't get taught that as, as a kid. And when I was an adult, a young adult, I didn't force myself to learn how to do that either. So I was like, oh, I'll buy some of these nice cars and drive the heck out of them and sell them later and didn't do my homework on the investment at all. If I had spent some time looking at it, I would realize that cars aren't a good investment. Cars aren't even good to buy on loan if you don't need it to, to get where you need to go. So in, in terms of that, that, that would probably be the worst investment that I made. I'm very honest with our, our clients and myself. Like If I pick 10 investments in a portfolio, I'm going to walk around the corner and step on a rake on two or three of them. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the best money managers in the world are going to have investments that go down in value. So we know in our practice that there's going to be those things that go down, the, the investments that don't work out the direction that you you want them to go in or expect them to go in. The big thing is, is that we know that we can't focus on when we bought the investment. We've got to have a plan on how we exit investments also. Right. So some of them we hold long term, some of them we have to cut our loss and and turn it around. I mean, I bought some oil stocks in my portfolio in 2015. Ouch. When oil was high. That was a pretty bad investment as a one-off. Just, you know, it was like, oh, oil's generating five, six percent dividends. We're got the income. We've got oil's gonna go through the roof because we're all gonna drive cars forever. And yeah, that didn't happen. Oil went down to $20, $24 a barrel. And, you know, I had a 60, 70% loss on them. And we used the loss. We cut cut the loss. We got rid of the investments and sold them and used the loss on our taxes. So you always got to find some positive in the losses. There's going to be something that you learned. Even if you can't necessarily take something away from it, you can always find that opportunity to to benefit and make yourself a better investor or, or a better individual based on the losses that you experience. Absolutely. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? So for for me, it's always been about knowing what I'm good at, being able to know that we are good at building the plans. We are good at implementing the plans. We oftentimes find that we need to still bring in other professionals out there because they do a better job. When I bring in professionals, it makes me look really good to our clients because I'm bringing in the best people to fit what they're looking for or what their need is. So for me, being able to go outside of my comfort zone and be okay with not knowing everything, but knowing where to find the answers for everything has been been one of the best opportunities I have to, to differentiate myself to our clients. Nice. Well, Michael, thank you for joining us today, bringing us all these lessons about uh, how things can go wrong for professional athletes and lessons about uh, investor psychology and ways we can account for that and and plan for our uh, psychology in the future when things get a little tough. If folks want to reach out, they want to find you on the internet, they want to get in touch, what have you, where can they find you? Yeah, so they can go to our website. It's adaptivewealthpartners.com. Or they can uh, follow me on uh, Instagram, the Athlete Advisor, just like it sounds, or just give us a call at the office, 702 840 2501. 
Awesome. Well, thanks once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please take a second, leave us a rating review on Apple Podcasts. It's much appreciated. That helps other people learn about the show. That helps us rank higher in the Apple algorithm and generally grow. And it helps me feel good because I get to see all the nice comments that you guys leave. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Thank you for tuning in once again. I hope you have a great rest of your day and we will talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.